like that. Hello, one and all, and welcome to a depressing Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. And I would like to announce that before we get in today's show, just make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media. Logan underscore Blackman is the Twitter account. Blackman Logan is the Instagram account. The Logan Blackman Show 1 is the other Instagram account. The Facebook page is search Logan Blackman Show. It should pop up. Give it a like. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Do the same thing there. Search Logan Blackman Show. should pop up. And while you're at it, since you're listening to the show right now, make sure you're following The Logan Blackman Show on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure on Apple Podcasts you give us a rating. I would greatly appreciate it. And now we get into the depressing stuff of the day. Okay? So as you know by this point, I record shows day in advance. So right now it is 8.35 at night on Sunday, December 12th. The show will be going out on Monday, December 13th. And I don't think my mood will change all too much. So for those of you who are unaware of what I'm talking about, I and my dad are Buffalo Bills fans. Apart from a short tenure when I liked the Chargers because of LaDainian Tomlinson, my entire life has been mostly a Buffalo Bills fan. My first jersey I ever got was Doug Flutie. My second jersey I ever got was Drew Bledsoe. And now, however many years later, the Bills finally got good. The first time in my life, the Bills actually were good and won a division. And then, fast forward a year. After they go to the AFC Championship game, or not exactly a year, about seven months later. They went, they're coming off an AFC Championship game appearance. They won the division for the first time since 1995. The Indianapolis Colts had won an AFC East title more recently than the Buffalo Bills did, and the Colts hadn't been in the division since, like, 2003. And they'd still won one more recently than the Bills. The last one they won was in 99, or 98, or something. I can't remember exactly what year the Colts won the division. But all these expectations piled on. Oh, this is the year. This is the year for the Buffalo Bills. And then expectations kind of changed. Maybe not all the way. But they were adjusted a little bit after the opening game loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, a Steelers team that they should have had no business losing to. And yet they did. And then they proceeded to go on a nice little run, beating the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead on Sunday Night Football in the pouring rain, won 38-20. Beat the Chiefs by 18 points, handing Patrick Mahomes his biggest loss of his career at that point. Then they go to Nashville against the Titans. Lose. Tough game. Nothing to really complain about on that one. I mean, the Bills lost the game. Gets two good teams. They lost. Lost by three points. And then you beat the Dolphins. And it's like, okay, four, four, what is it? Six and two? Five and two? At this point in the season? I think most Bills fans had them five and two at this point anyways. Not losing to the Steelers, but losing to the Chiefs. And then everything kind of fell on its head a week after the Dolphins game. Which, in that Dolphins game, you can kind of see some things were not looking right. They did not look like themselves, especially in the first half. And then things got all new level of low against the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Josh Allen Bowl. And they lost 6-9, LOL, to a Jaguars team that had one win prior in the past, what, 30 games? They were one game away from being the all-time losingest team and we're talking about consecutive losses in NFL history, almost beating the Tampa Bay, the expansion Buccaneers, who had lost 26 or 27 games in a row. The Bucks were right, the Jaguars were right there. And then they beat the Dolphins in London. But before that, they hadn't won a game on U.S. soil 
in over a year. Their last game they won on U.S. soil was against the Indianapolis Colts week one. And then they beat the Bills in Jacksonville. Terrible game. Terrible game. Josh didn't play very well. The O-line sucked. And that's where we started to look at the O-line as a whole and go, wow, this unit kind of sucks ass. We knew Cody Ford was bad. We didn't, we, there was no real surprises that Cody Ford was not very good. Maybe at the start of the year. But after that, when he got benched against, I think it was Washington was Spencer Brown's first start. You're like, okay, yeah, Cody Ford sucks. And then now he's starting against Jacksonville. Josh Allen can't run anywhere. And then it just kept piling on from there. Then you beat the Jets, as you should. Then you get ass-pounded by the Colts. Okay, Jonathan Taylor just had one of those days. Terrible day. Then you beat the Saints on Thanksgiving in New Orleans. And you should have won by more points than what you did. You won 31-6. Should have won by more. And then you lose to the Patriots on Monday Night Football. And that's where it really hurt. It's like, man, this was their chance to restate their claim as not only the AFC East's best, but the AFC's best in general. And it was 14-10, giving up about 42 carries in the game. And then today, you take on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is 32-3 going into this game against the Buffalo Bills. If we're talking about record against one opponent in NFL history, or maybe it's among active quarterbacks, I can't really remember. Either way, NFL history, I would assume this is the NFL record. 32-3 against one opponent. Like Aaron Rodgers talked about he owns the Bears. He's like 22-5. and five. Tom Brady has less losses and more wins against the Buffalo Bills. Until the Texans game earlier this season, Tom Brady had more wins at the Bills stadium than any Bills quarterback since Tom Brady's been the Patriots starter. He played there once a year and got like 16 wins in 18 years playing the Buffalo Bills. 16 out of 18 years, he beat the Bills in Orchard Park. And then now, you were supposed to beat the Patriots last week. You're the favorites in the game. You're at home. It's in bad weather conditions. And they just decide, you know, we're not going to run Josh Allen at all. We're not going to run Josh Allen. We're going to give Zach Moss and Devin Singletary 30% of the touches when they're not worth 30% of the offense. Their numbers do not equal 30% of the offense. Why are you giving them so much attention? And then you go up against the Buccaneers, against Tom Brady the reigning Super Bowl champs, a team that's averaging 31 points a game, a team that has an insane pass that brought back everybody. Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaquille Barrett, Joe Tryon. Like, these are not... These guys don't mess around. Ndamukong Sue, Vitavea, Devin White, Levante David. These are not anybody to mess around with. Now, their secondary, apart from, like, Antoine Winfield... This secondary is not really anything that spectacular, but the edge rushers and the D-line is insane, which is why they won the Super Bowl last year. You watch the Super Bowl, I would imagine. They won the Super Bowl because of their defensive line. And going into this game, knowing how bad the Bills' O-line has been, it was kind of scary. This is the least confident I've ever been for a Bills game in about three years. Least confident I've been. I've never felt like this. Like it's, It's Tom Brady... It's going to be nice weather. The Bills don't have Tredavious White. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. In the first half, I was right. <laughs> I was right in feeling that way. It was miserable. Good Lord, if you went on Twitter and you follow a certain number of Bills fans or you just follow me on Twitter, you would have seen hundreds if not thousands of tweets complaining about this game. It was 24-3 to at halftime. It didn't look like anything was getting solved anytime soon. 24 to 3. 
Nothing was working at all. And then the second half starts, and the Bills didn't start off great the first drive, but they moved the ball decently well, and then they tried to do a fake punt, and that failed miserably. But that first half was one of the worst displays I've ever seen from an offensive line, ever. It was mis... Like, just go on Twitter. If you didn't watch the game, just go on Twitter and just see people talking about it. Watch the highlights if you want to. Go back and just rewatch the entire first half. Because, good lord. I think Josh maybe had less than, what, a millisecond to throw the football in this game? And the, the first half coaching, good freaking lord. I know most Bills fans out there, including myself, said don't need to run the ball as much with Singletary and Moss. But at least one carry. The Bills, Josh Allen was the only person that registered a carry in the first half for the Buffalo Bills. Because though Singletary and Moss are not the answer running back, running the ball makes you makes the other defense honest. Because what it does, it makes the defense tackle. Because in pass plays, you can kind of take plays off. Not saying it happens all the time, but you can afford to do that more so than in the run game. Run game, you have to make contact, you have to hit. Even if it's not working, just do it a certain extent. Not as much as what they did against the Patriots. And not do run Josh Allen a lot more than what you did against the Patriots. The Bills in this game made seven wide receivers active. Seven. So they made their game plan abundantly clear of what they were going to do. We're going to pass it. And we're going to pass a lot. Josh Allen had 54 attempts in this game. 54. And got only three sacks, which is insane. We talked about this on Wednesday, I believe. The offensive line being as bad as it is, and the Bills only having about, well, what, 20 sacks? is a testament to Josh Allen more than anything. This old line is awful. It's not even worth salvaging. It is bad. Like, the Detroit Lions are 1-11-1. They lost today to the Denver Broncos. Their old line would start over the Bills' old line. They have three starters on the old line that are guaranteed starters in probably more than half of the NFL. That's Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow, and Penny Sewell. That's if they're healthy. Like, the Lions, for all their troubles they have, their old line is actually not that bad, considering all things. Like, how bad of a team they are, how bad their defense is, how little weapons they have. Their old line isn't bad. And their O-line would easily start for the Bills. Now, this is saying Frank Ragnow's healthy. He's not right now. He's out. I think he's out for the season. Highest paid center in the NFL. Mitch Morse was that at one point, but Mitch Morse doesn't know how to run block, from what it seems like. Like, oh my God. Spencer Brown, is it, this is sad. Spencer Brown was supposed to be a project piece for this O-line. He is the most important offensive lineman the Bills have. <laughs> because if he's not in, the Bills have to risk watching Cody Ford play. Now, John Feliciano was back from injury, but he did not play in this game, and I don't even know if that's really an upgrade at this point. Like, it's not great. It's not. Cody Ford was inactive today. Boogie Basham, their second-round draft pick, which they drafted over probably the best rookie in the NFL, and Creed Humphrey, the center for the Chiefs, they drafted him over him, and he fits all the things the Bills look for in draft picks. He was a state champion wrestler. Right? Why? Why? That is usually what the Bills look for. Sean McDermott was a state champion wrestler in Pennsylvania. This is what you look for. Or maybe not state champion. He was a very good wrestler in Pennsylvania. That's what they always have looked for. And they didn't draft him. They dra- He went two picks later to the Chiefs. And Boogie Basham, I think, has played three games, has been a healthy scratch for every single game, apart from those maybe three. 
Maybe it's four. Maybe he's played two games. I don't know. I know he played against the Chiefs. That's about it. But goodness gracious, watching Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, Devin White coming through untouched, it was scary. If Josh Allen's not as big as he is, he's getting destroyed. And even he, when he went to the press conference after the game, he had a walking boot on. Josh Allen got beat up in this game. And if anything is taken away from this game, and I'll get to the result in a little bit, if anything is taken this away from this game, and I saw this on Twitter, and I agree with it 100%. This might not be the team that gets the Bills to the Super Bowl, but this is the quarterback that does it. I don't want to hear any negative comments about Josh Allen ever again. I'm not, I'm not putting up with it anymore. There were times I could have accepted it, like, oh yeah, he didn't play very well. This is the reigning Super Bowl champions with one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. One of the best front sevens in the NFL. With the Bills... Probably second worst O-line in the NFL, apart from like the Giants. And Josh Allen only got three sacks in this? Like, what? I'm not taking it. Josh Allen is the fourth quarterback, I believe this is what it said, fourth quarterback in NFL history to rush for over 100 and throw for over 300 yards in the game. There's four of them. Josh Allen, going into this game, was the only quarterback in the NFL that had 3,000 yards passing and 400 yards rushing. The only one. And people are talking about Josh Allen's regressed. No, this team has regressed. Like Stephon Diggs. I love Stephon Diggs and I'll rarely say anything bad about him. The amount of times he's lost the ball in these past just two games against the Patriots and the Bucks is kind of weird. I don't understand how he's lost it three times in big moments. Like the one against the Patriots, it hit him in the arm. It hit his left arm. <laughs> like I would... I don't know. I'm not going to say anything bad about Diggs. I refuse to say anything bad about Diggs. But it is weird. It is weird that he's had so many weird moments these past couple of games. But in the second half, going back to the actual result of the game, the Bills came back. And they had momentum. Like, the feeling s- switched completely. The defense stepped up immensely. Now, should the Bills have gone for it on fourth down in the second, the third quarter? Yes. I said they should have gone for it at the time. They didn't. The Bucks rode right down the field and scored a touchdown. Or wait, was it third? When was this? No, because I don't... Did the Bucks score a touchdown? In the, no, this was in the second quarter. And people are complaining and bitching about that all over Twitter. Conservative play calling is at it again. Which, yes, I would have gone for it at that point. I can, I agree with you at that point. But I'm, always, I'm not going to sit here and complain about Sean McDermott needs to go, Brian Dable needs to go. A few years ago, I was all in on Brian Dable getting out. And then Brian Dable balled out last year with the Bills. They had the, one of the best offenses in NFL history. The best offense in Bills history. Josh Allen put up numbers that no one in NFL history had ever had. And yet, you know, didn't win the MVP for unknown reasons. Don't really know why. I, mean, I know I'd get some stick for saying that, but it's true. If you took Josh Allen out of the Bills, they have two wins right now. If that. And that's only because they played the Jets and Dolphins who are, at the time, the Dolphins, were hopeless. Terrible. <laughs> and they are always terrible when they play the Bills. I think the Bills have won six games in a row against the Dolphins. Or they're, they're, Josh has lost one time to the Dolphins. It was the first time he played them. Other than that, Josh is spotless against the Dolphins. But then the fourth quarter happens. So we get pretty boring third quarter. Bills score a touchdown. Josh Allen, well, when was the touchdown? What? Yeah, it was a Josh Allen rushing touchdown. 
So they're down 10 to 24 at the point, I believe. And Brady has like 200 wins or something, or 100 something wins, and one loss while leading by 21 points in the second half. And that one loss was 10 years ago against the Bills with Brian Fitzpatrick. And that started feeling like that in this game. The Bills got things to go their way to a certain extent. And they were driving, they were going at will. Josh Allen is, for all his faults that you could say about Josh Allen, this is a fact, he is one of the most clutch quarterbacks in the NFL. From his first year till his second year, he had more comeback drives than everybody in the NFL apart from Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. I think he was joint with Drew Brees. I think he only had one less than Russell Wilson. That was as a rookie in his second year, too. That was supposed to be bad Josh Allen, not MVP Josh Allen. They just went down the field easily. And then they get to the one-yard line or whatever, in the red zone. Down three, they've clawed their way back, down 24 to 27. And then (sighs) the play happened. Josh Allen looks for Stephon Diggs in the end zone, and there's no pass interference call. And I'm looking at the picture right now, watched it live, I was pissed, and the more I look at it now, the more pissed I get. Because later in the game, in the in overtime, because the Bills sell for a field goal, because you don't want to risk it. I mean, you could have gone for it, but the field goal is the right thing to do at the time. The offense is cooking. If the offense wasn't doing that great, then yeah, go for it. But the offense was in rhythm. Bill's defense had done great against Brady and the Buccaneers' offense in the second half. Great. And Brady made some insane throws in the first half to Mike Evans. Insane throws. And then overtime happens. Bills don't do anything on the first drive. And the Bucs, what you would think, get stopped. They give him first down. Okay. Tom Brady goes down the sideline to uh, Mike Evans. Pass interference called. We're like, oh, I clapped. I start clapping. It's like, that's yeah, that's Levi Wallace. That's, that's on uh, Mike Evans. Easy call. And they call defensive pass interference. Uh, what? Terry McCauley, Terry McCauley, who was a former NFL ref and his Sunday night football's rules official, said that's not defensive pass interference. The receiver creates contact. It's especially noteworthy given the fact that the call was not made late in regulation on the Buffalo third and two play. And I can understand to a certain extent. Now, I, it will take a little bit for me to understand this side of it. But if you were like, okay, both of them are pass interferences. Okay, then call both of them. Because the fact of the matter is, if you called the first one, the second one doesn't even take place. Because the Bills score a touchdown and win the game. You have a four downs to work inside the five-yard line, and you don't think Josh Allen and the Bills are punching it in the end zone. They're not Oklahoma State, where they take six tries to get in the end zone and still can't do it. This is Josh Allen and the Bills. Until last week, or against the Saints, he had one turnover in the red zone. He is one of the best red zone quarterbacks, not just in the NFL now, in NFL history. This year, they've struggled to a certain extent in the red zone. But if you look at his numbers in the red zone, it's ridiculous. And there were three brutal calls that screwed the Bills. One of the plays where I talked about Diggs losing the ball, and all of these plays are on Carlton Davis. All of them. I got a screenshot in front of me now where he is yanking back on Diggs' jersey. This is like a 50-yard pass down the field. This is one of the plays Diggs lost it. I don't know if he was looking for the referee, but good lord. If you're going to call the Levi Wallace one, which in the beginning isn't even offensive pa- or defensive pass interference, it's offensive, 
He literally brings Levi Wallace to the ground. He wraps his arms around him and brings him to the ground. But if you're going to call that, make it consistent throughout the entire game. And I've never been one to complain about officials when I, my team loses a game or something like that. But that pass interference that wasn't called actually decided the game. Because if it's not called, if it is called pass interference, which I'm looking at now, or even holding, you can see Diggs' shoulder pads from the way he's on. And the dumb part about it is the ref is two yards away. He's or on the four-yard line. And he didn't call. There's two refs. I'm actually like, I didn't even notice there's another one right there. There's two refs right there, and nothing is called. Like, if you're not going to call that, don't call the one in overtime that's clearly on the offense. If you're going to call that, you damn sure better call the two you didn't call earlier in the game. Because the Bills lost 50 yards on that play and had to punt earlier, the one where Carlton Davis yanked on Diggs' undershirt. And then the end zone one, which again, on Carlton Davis, didn't get called again. The difference is, that one ended the game. Because the Bills, I was on fourth down, or third down. The Bills get a ball, moved up a few yards to work in the end zone. You don't think they're going to score? You really don't think they're going to score a touchdown? With the way they'd been moving the ball all game, late in the game? Like, that decided the game. I don't think I've ever said the ref decided a game before until now. That is bullshit. In every sense of the word. What phrase, whatever you want to call it. Like, that screwed the... And it, the sad part is, even if they go on Twitter, and the NFL officiating goes on Twitter and says it was a pass interference, that doesn't change anything. It changes nothing. Because they're not going to go back and go, oh, well, yeah, it was actually a pass interference that wasn't called. We're going to go back and replay that exact down and distance and then do it all over again. They're not going to do that. No, <laughs> it's done. You can go on Twitter and say this kind of stuff. It doesn't mean anything. It's like saying sorry. The only reason you'd say sorry in this situation is because you got caught. If you didn't get caught, what are you going to say sorry? No. There are two officials looking at the play. And you can't call pass interference on that at all. That's the game. That play might, and it shouldn't, because the Bills, at worst, should finish 10-7 and this year. At worst. They're playing the Panthers, Falcons, and Jets. You play the Patriots again as well. The first three games I mentioned, you should win them. Knock on wood. Because, of course, you didn't expect them to lose to the Jaguars either, did you, Logan? But after watching Cam Newton get benched back-to-back games, throw multiple interceptions and fumble, I'm fairly confident against the Panthers. Their pass defense kind of concerns me. Their offense does not, especially without Christian McCaffrey. Falcons, their defense doesn't... Apart from A.J. Terrell, I don't fear the Falcons' defense whatsoever. I fear Kyle Pitts, to a certain extent, not, and Cordero Patterson, not their defense at all. But if they miss the playoffs by one game or by some stupid scenario that play is going to be looked at again. And it's not going to change anything. And that's what, that's the annoying, because the Bucks have been doing this. And it never gets called. It's not just this game. There's been multiple games throughout the past year where this has been the case and nothing's called. And the crazy part is, it's on Carlton Davis both times. Like, di- <laughs> oh my God. Like, Stephon Diggs, 
is a top, I would say arguably top five, top ten receiver in the NFL. Like, if you're a rookie, sure, I understand you're not getting those calls. If you're not a well-established player, sure, I understand you're not getting those calls. You're a top ten wide receiver for one of the best teams in the NFL. You get that call, unless you're playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, apparently. Like, this game was stupid. There's so many conflicting emotions I had going throughout this game. My dad went for a walk because <laughs> he, was, he was just done watching it for a little bit. We left at halftime to go take a walk. And I, I should have joined him because <laughs> I was frustrated as hell as well. Oh, my God. But, yeah, never say anything bad about Josh Allen ever again. That's the main thing I'm taking away from this game. Josh Allen is the only reason this team was even close to winning. Only reason. The dude ran for 100-plus yards and passed for over 300. Josh did everything for this team to win, and they got screwed. I'm not even going to say they lost, because they didn't. And I saw Kyle Brandt on Twitter. Who's one of, he's starting to get really annoying, which most Bills fans at this point are getting sick and tired of these stupid promotional videos for the Buffalo Bills. It's getting really sick at this point. Like, not sick. It's just annoying as hell. But he's going, the better team won. Hell, like, hell the better team won. What the hell are you talking about the better team won? What game did you watch that made you think, at the time those penalties happened, that the better team won the game? Nothing. Now, I won't take anything away from the play design at the last play of the game. Yeah, great touchdown, Pat. I'll give, I'll give them credit. Perriman's one of the fast receivers in the NFL. I'll tell I'm not going to say anything really bad about that. Like he's been one of the fast receivers in the league. I don't bother me on that. I if we just talked about a loss, sure. I would have been upset because, you know, it's a loss, but they fought back really hard. So I've been I okay, fine. But certain events made me change my mind about that. And I'm going to post these on Twitter when I post the link to the show as well, post on Facebook because this is just bullshit. That's really just all it is. There's nothing else you can really say about the whole situation. It's just bullshit. Like, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, the ref screwed it for Tom Brady. They might have, but I'm not going to sit here and say it. I'm not going to say the refs wanted the game to go to the Bucks. I just think they're stupid refs. I think the Bills got screwed out of a win. And this might screw them out of a playoff spot. Because if you haven't noticed, in the AFC, there's a logjam of teams... <laughs> that are trying to make the playoffs. Like we said this the other day. We have the Bills at 7 and 6, Dolphins 6 and 7, the Browns 7 and 6, the Bengals 7 and 6, Steelers 6 6 and 1. Then we got the Colts at 7 and 6 and the Broncos at 7 and 6. Chargers are 8 and 5. Like there is a Ravens are 8 and 5 as well. They just got beat by the Browns today. Every record like the Bills are two games back of the Patriots right now and the Patriots have the tiebreaker. And the Bills need to beat the Patriots next time they play them in 2 weeks. Non-negotiable. They need to run the table. Finish 11-6. and six. Do I think it will happen? No. But that's what they need to do. This team is too supposed to be too talented to miss the playoffs. But the lack of... The O-line reeks. We talked about that. Lack of depth at corner. The lack of a run game. Another receiver apart from Diggs. Because Beasley... I love Cole Beasley. I will not say a lot of bad things about Cole Beasley. But, like, Emmanuel Sanders has done well this year, and I love Emmanuel Sanders, but you can upgrade on Emmanuel Sanders. 
He's 30-something years old, 34 years old. D-line gets beat up every single game. You drafted two edge rushers in the first two rounds, and one of them never plays. Apart from Milano, linebackers aren't great. Like Edmonds, I I don't really have an issue with Edmonds. I know a lot of Bills fans out there don't like Edmonds. He's just an average linebacker. Not really bad or great about him. He's athletic and young. Milano's awesome. The safeties are awesome. Josh Allen's awesome. Diggs is awesome. Uh, Dawson Knox is awesome. Trey White is awesome. Rousseau looks like he's going to develop into a really nice edge rusher. The interior line stinks. The O-line stinks. The run game stinks. The corners... Well, hey, I shouldn't... Hold on. I shouldn't say corners. Dane Jackson, given the circumstances, played a hell of a game. I'm not going to take anything away from Dane Jackson. I don't want to take... But Levi Walls ain't great. The fact that they have no depth at corner is the thing that concerns me. Taron Johnson, love Taron Johnson. He's a nickel corner. He ain't going to play outside. But there is... When you're going deep into November and deep into December and deep into the playoffs, you need to have strong lines. You can't make it without strong lines. Everything starts and stops with the O-line and D-line. Literally. Like, the, the center snaps the ball. If the center doesn't snap the ball, then the play goes. D-line, they're running the ball. If you don't stop them, they're going to get a big game. And the Bills don't have that. Like, this was supposed to be the Super Bowl year, and slowly things have kind of disintegrated to, yeah, they brought back the wrong players. Like, you look at the Bengals and Browns playing with Wyatt Teller and Quentin Spain, and the Bills traded Teller and cut Spain and kept Co- <laughs> kept John Feliciano and Cody Ford. What? Like, I understand Wyatt Teller was a late-round draft pick, but... Is it the O-line coach that can't develop anybody? The cutting of Spain, I still don't really understand. That was a whole behind-the-scenes thing, it felt like. I don't. I never heard a reason why they cut him. He got benched and was cut, like, a day later. I don't know what happened with that. And he's starting on the Bengals, who are now 7-6 and six and almost beat <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers today in overtime. If they won that game, the Bills are out of the playoffs. Because they're on top of the division, and the Ravens are 8-5. and five. And the Bengals would have been 8-5. and five. The Bills at 7-6 and six are sitting at the 7 seed right now. The Bengals won, Bills out of the playoffs. For how good this team was supposed to be, they ain't really that good as a team. And it's kind of starting to get to the point of, where you keep going, this isn't who we are, this is a yada yada yada, the same stinking press conference after every single stinking loss. No, this is what they are. And we got to accept at this point. Now, they'll, they should make the playoffs. There's too much talent out wide in that quarterback to miss the playoffs. Like, you can't have a quarterback like Josh Allen and miss the playoffs. You can't. Like, this team, I'll say it again. This team might not be the one that ends the Super Bowl drought. That quarterback will. I'm 100% confident in saying that. There is not one thing... That concerns me ever about Josh Allen. I am 100% behind and confident in Josh Allen. He is the only reason this game was as close as it was. Play calling sucked. Coaching sucked. Play referees sucked. Like we complained a little bit about the Chiefs game. They won that game. We were talking about how people on Twitter were complaining about the Bills getting favoritism in that game. 
<laughs> oh, my goodness. Bills and favoritism by the NFL. That'd be fun. Oh, my goodness. This game just reeked. Ugh. It just leaves a bad taste in your mouth because you were supposed to be this good and you've rattled off, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Rattle off eight straight games of win-loss, 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 and then you lose again to Tom Brady. You lose to the Patriots and Tom Brady in the same freaking week. Or less than a week. Six days. You lose to Brady and <laughs> the Patriots. Uh, you can't escape it. Brady's now 33-3 and against the Buffalo Bills all time. 33-3. and Bills are no problem beat Tom Brady who's not on the Patriots. Except for this year, obviously. And now they play Tom Brady again, the demons are still there. Like, and I know everybody on Twitter is going, the NFL wants this to be a Brady versus Belichick Super Bowl, which I could totally see that happening. But, man, good Lord. Like, the Bills were smart play calling away against the Patriots from winning that game and a blown referee assignment away from beating the Bucks. <laughs> and they were, we're talking about a completely different Bills team that has four losses on the season, is 9-4, and four, and has the number one seed in the AFC. Just beat the Patriots. Just beat the Bucks. Like, how did Washington have so much ease beating Tampa? <laughs> I don't understand how that one happened at all. Ugh, God. Screw this. This game sucked. <laughs> That's all I can really say about the game. Just sucked. The emotions were high, extremely low, and then pissed. <laughs> Oh, man, if they, I just think it's really funny that the fact that they started doing the quarterback sweeps against Tampa when an 80-degree weather, but they wouldn't do that against the Patriots when it was a freaking blizzard and they couldn't move the ball. But yet decided, let's, you know, let's run it with Moss and Singletary 30% of the time, which did not work. Now, Singletary busted out some really nice runs in this game because the, the Buccaneers were overcommitting, and it ran really nicely. Like, at least run it a certain extent. 30% of the time with those two? No, don't do that. Like, Moss wasn't even active today. It was a healthy scratch. Brita played today. Played decently well. I mean, he got stopped on the fourth down conversion on the punt, but played all right. Played all right. And some other games around the NFL, apart from the Bills game, I had to rant about that one for a little bit because it's just frustrating. I mean, losing a game like that, where it's just one thing that happened, like you can point to and go, that's why they lost. Like, it's not the off the pass interference in overtime, which is complete bullshit again. It's the non-call in regulation that screwed the game over. Because that is actually, the, that was on third down at the five-yard line. With two refs right there. None of the, nothing called, but whatever. Uh, other games that were going on in the NFL today, like we said, the Browns beat the Ravens. Lamar Jackson got hurt. Tyler Huntley finished the game out. Played pretty well. Still lost. Ravens recovered an onside kick to hopefully win the game. It did not work. Well, they recovered it, but they did not <laughs> They did not win the game. Titans beat up on the Jaguars 20-0. And that whole Urban Meyer thing is ridiculous. I it went from this dude's guaranteed to lose a job to uh maybe he might keep his job for the year to now if he's not fired by tomorrow, there's something wrong. <laughs> the NFL needs to step in. Like apparently he's going around calling his coach assistant coaches losers, bragging about how much he won in college. Like that matters in the NFL. Like he's won less he lost more games at Jacksonville than he ever did at Ohio State, like combined. Then benching James Robinson and it, he wouldn't have put him back in if Trevor Lawrence didn't step up for it. He got in a fight with Marvin Jones. Like, this this, this dude, I don't know how he's made it so far in the NFL. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I, that graphic, when he was working for Fox Sports doing their analyst stuff, 
just gets funnier and funnier by the day. It was like his his coaching staff, like criteria to examine for struggling teams. According to Urban Meyer, trust issues, dysfunctional environment, selfishness. Yes, all of that is Urban Meyer, <laughs> which Urban Meyer has always been a man of character anyway. So we shouldn't be surprised that Jacksonville is going down the way that they are. But yeah, he's going to screw over Trevor Lawrence, who now leads the league interceptions. He had four interceptions a game against Tennessee, who's the wor- most injured team in the NFL. He threw four interceptions against them. And yeah, he's going to screw over Trevor Lawrence. The way they've messed around with James Robinson as well is really weird. The whole situation in Jacksonville is just a mess. He needs to go. I don't know what, what more they need to do to get him out, but he needs to go. Uh, then we have the Chiefs shit-stomping the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders' midseason collapse has started. Like, <laughs> they started the season so good, like they always do. They start out 3-0. They lost the Chargers and the Bears. And then struggled against the Broncos to a certain extent, struggled against the Eagles, and then lost, <laughs> lost the Giants. And then got shit-stomped by the Chiefs. Shit-stomped by the Bengals. E- got lucky at beating the Cowboys thanks to 28 penalties. Uh, lost to the Washington football team, and then got piss-pounded again by the Chiefs. Oh my goodness. They have... that Like, they're... <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six. They've lost five of their last six games. And you look at the rest of the season, Browns, Broncos, Colts, Chargers, all teams with winning records. Yeah, <laughs> they could really finish 6-11. and 11. And i already seen stuff on Twitter, like, not Twitter, I Googled it today. People are already talking about trading Derek Carr. <laughs> oh, man. I went from, I was a Derek Carr defender, and then Keyshawn Johnson dropped that dumbass quote about Derek Carr being elite. And then now I think I've bashed Derek Carr more than I ever thought I would because I don't think he's that bad. He ain't nowhere near elite. <laughs> That's proven this year. And I, my friend Kevin from William Penn, uh, he's trying to compare Derek Carr and Josh Allen. I told him today, never, ever mention Josh Allen and Derek Carr in the same sense ever again. It's done. Watch today's game. It's done. And it was done prior to that. Like, it was done. I don't think he's ever watched... Derek Carr play, <laughs> and he's gonna listen to the show. So I, I don't think he's ever watched Derek Carr play. I don't think he's watched Josh Allen play this year. And he just looks at the scoreboard. I've watched, unfortunately, Derek Carr play this year, and he's like, watch what he's wearing. Josh Allen worked with Zay Jones in the past. <laughs> that was his rookie year. Like Derek Carr has 17 touchdowns, and nine interceptions this year. I don't know if it's added. I don't know if that's added today's total or not. Like, in his past four games, he's thrown three touchdowns and two picks. It's pretty pretty impressive elite stuff right there. And against some elite secondaries as well. <laughs> Bengals, Cowboys, Washington, and the Chiefs. That's some elite secondaries he's battling right there. Not the worst secondaries in the NFL. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, apart from Trayvon Diggs, the Cowboys' defense sucks. <laughs> they, they're fifth worst in the NFL in pass defense. The Bengals' starting corners, apart from Trey Wayne, who was hurt is Eli Apple, who was cut from the Raiders, and Chidobia Wuzie, and Vernon Hargraves. That ain't nothing special. That is pretty garbage, and it's why the Bengals would probably draft a corner this year. The Chiefs, we're going to talk about the Chiefs' defense. They start Daniel Sorensen willingly. <laughs> and there, we're talking about the Chiefs' defense. Washington, their best defenders out for the season with a torn ACL. They don't have Chase Young anymore. Like Montez Sweat's out as well. Their three, two of their four best defenders don't play. 
And apart from Kendall Fuller, who in their set? William Jackson? Is he scary? Troy Ackby, the white corner? Other than being fast, I don't really fear Troy Ackby. Like, <laughs> that's some elite defense he's working with these past four games. He's thrown three touchdowns and thrown two picks. <laughs> and those two picks came against the Bengals and the Chiefs. Yeah. Oh, man. But he's, like, second in the league in passing yards, which I think after, what, about five years ago, we stopped caring about passing yards being a normal statistic for, like, how good a quarterback is once Jameis Winston kept leading the league in passing yards. Like, I think that's where it kind of cut off when Jameis had the 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, 30 pick season. <laughs> and then he got benched the very next year and got traded or got cut or not cut. He didn't get re-signed and then signed with New Orleans as a backup. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it ain't even close. <laughs> we already talked about Josh Allen is the only quarterback in the NFL with 3,000 yards, 400 passing yards, or 400 rushing yards. Now he's at... 3,000, 3, over 3,600 and over 500 rushing yards with more touchdowns than Derek Carr. <laughs> ah, yeah. But, yeah. And, I like, the people that want to discredit Josh Allen also go, he wasn't elite till Diggs got there, but was Diggs elite before he got to Josh Allen? Diggs was the Vikings' number two wide receiver for years behind Adam Thielen. Ain't Diggs was nothing where he is right now without Josh Allen. I think both of them helped each other immensely. Like, Cole Beasley never had 1,000 yards before he got to Josh Allen. Cole Beasley never sniffed an all-pro before he got to Josh Allen. Like, what? <laughs> Emmanuel Sanders said he's the most talented quarterback he's ever worked with. This dude's were with Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger. Josh Allen's the best quarterback he's worked with. But yeah, Josh's, Josh's talent made him elite. <laughs> yeah, because Diggs, Diggs was a very highly regarded wide receiver when his time with the Vikings. People liked him. But I don't think anybody was like, yeah, that dude's a top five wide receiver or ever thought he'd lead the league in receiving yards. <laughs> That's what he did in Buffalo. Weird how that just worked out like that. But yeah, Josh is the one benefiting here. It's not the other way around at all. Oh, man. People discredit Josh Allen or I, they bog, bother me at this point. And after today, I'm not going to take it anymore. I, I'm, every time I hear anything about Josh Allen and even in the same breath, as Derek Carr, other than the fact that Josh Allen is way better than Derek Carr and ever will be, that's the only time I'll, I'll just say STFU. That's it. I'm not going to say anything more about it at this point. <laughs> Derek Carr, other than leadership, is nothing, does nothing that is elite. And you can name one trait apart from leadership, which you can argue, Tim Tebow's elite leader, would you consider him an elite quarterback? No, <laughs> he sucked. He was out of the NFL in like three years after his one decent season in Denver. He completed like less than 50% of his passes, but somehow won a playoff game against the Steelers. Like Derek Carr, doesn't have that strong of an arm. Not that mobile. I guess he's decently accurate. His old line's better than Josh Allen's old line. He's got Darren Waller. Like I saw a thing today, can Derek Carr keep going without Darren Waller? <laughs> Josh put up nice numbers without digs. <laughs> eh? There's literally saying, can he go without Darren Waller? And gets piss pounded by the Chiefs. Before, at halftime of the Chiefs-Raiders game, the Raiders had scored 17 points. Okay? 17 in two games against the Raiders, against the Chiefs. Josh beat the Chiefs by 18 points. The Bills beat the Chiefs by more points than what the Raiders have scored against the Chiefs. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Get piss powdered by the Chiefs. Oh, man. The other one was in, in a dome, <laughs> and he lost the Giants. I don't care about the Jaguars game anymore. Like, shit happens. Josh still bounced back. Derek Carr has thrown three, three touchdowns in four games against the Bengals, Chiefs, Washington, and the Cowboys. <laughs> I'm not. I'm done entertaining the Derek Carr's elite thing. I'm done entertaining it. Kevin, every time you message me, I'm probably just going to leave you unread at this point because it ain't worth my time no more. <laughs> I'm done with it. After watching the Raiders today, yeah. Oh, it's it's kind of it's amusing at this point. And after watching the Bills, I, I, yeah, it's done. <laughs> Josh is the only reason the Bills have won seven games. And if you look at measure measurements for how like valuable someone is, I remember talking about this last year when Josh should have won the MVP. If Josh started the Bills, they're not this. The Raiders could win games with Marcus Mariota, who is probably, what, first or second best backup in the NFL? I don't know whichever what other quarterbacks would be up there. Trubisky for the Bills. Like, the drop-up between Carr and Mariota is very small. It's not like it's a, a gulf. It's very tiny. The drop-up between Josh and Trubisky is pretty large. <laughs> I'm not even going to entertain it anymore. Like, if the Raiders didn't have Carr, I bet they'd be perfectly fine with Marcus Mariota. I think they'd be perfectly fine. Mariota's won more playoff games than Derek Carr has, so that's all I'll say about that. And I, I feel, again, I used to defend Derek Carr, but he's kind of gotten to the point where it's bothering me so much that people keep calling him elite. That it, I, it's gotten to the point where he was so underrated that now he's becoming overrated. It's kind of a Matthew Stafford situation here. But Matthew Stafford shits on Derek Carr, too. Oh, man. But the Saints, uh, they beat the Jets today. Jets are now officially eliminated from the playoffs, sadly. Zach Wilson did not have a great day today. Did not have a great day today at all. Uh, yeah, 202 yards, but <laughs> 19 of 42 passing. He led the team in rushing, got sacked three times, and they had to settle for a bunch of Brett Maher field goals. So, or not Brett Maher. Who does Brett Maher play for? Eddie Pinero is the, the Jets kicker. Brett Maher. He kicked a bunch of field goals today, too. Who does he play for? Jacksonville? I can't remember. Because I remember seeing him a bunch. Oh, he plays for the Saints. That's why I was like, oh, he's kicked field goals. They kicked three field goals today. I was like, he played. I think he played that one. Okay. Either way, Jets got shit stomped by the Saints with Taysom Hill at quarterback. Alvin Kamara was back. I mean, it was fitting. Alvin Kamara was back. He was obviously going to tear apart the Saints. Or play apart the Jets. Uh, the Cowboys beat the Washington football team after Mike McCarthy guaranteed they would win the game. They did. Didn't play great in the first, in the second half, but they did. Ended up winning it. They were up pretty big early, and uh, then it kind of started deteriorating. They're up, what, quick math, 24 to nothing at halftime, and they won 27-20. Uh, Tony Pollard was out, which, again, we can have the enter- we can entertain the conversation. Is Tony Pollard the best running back on the Cowboys? I don't think it's as big of a conversation anymore as it was, like, a year ago. Like, I think there might actually be a case if Tony Pollard is the best running back the Cowboys have. Like, Tony Pollard's more versatile than Zeke. Zeke's bigger, but Tony Pollard can do you a lot more things than Ezekiel Elliott can. But I don't know if he'd ever leave the Cowboys because him and Dak are really buddy-buddy. They got drafted the same year. I don't think he'll leave. But the fact of the matter is, Zeke's numbers, ever since his rookie year, have gone down. Every year have gone down. So I think we can talk about Tony Pollard being the best one they have. And they won today. Then we got the Falcons and Panthers, two of the Bills. Next three opponents, or next four opponents, I should say. They won 29-21. to Cam got benched again, then got brought back in. 
just a mess. I mean, the Panthers without Chris McCaffrey are a joke. Like, they, they can't do anything on offense. Their pass defense did little to nothing in this game as well. I mean, their defense in general, I guess. Pass defense did all right. Didn't do a turn, didn't get a turnover in the game. But there were times they left Kyle Pitts pretty open, and it kind of bothered me to a certain extent. And that's how they basically won the game. Kyle Pitts crossed the crossed formation, got a little out route. They knelt it out right after that. Then we had the Seahawks beating the Texans. Davis Mills had himself a nice game. There's a stretch where Davis Mills was like 13 for 13 or something like that. They used to look good. And they announced earlier this week that he'd be the starter the rest of the way. And this is going to start becoming a, a trending topic about what the Texans do at quarterback for next year. Do you draft one of the first pick you have or do you not? Because Davis Mills, I think it's a very entertaining prospect to look at. Not like he's an entertaining player to watch. He can be at times. But the reason I'm saying he's entertaining to build because – He's played like 16 games post high school. Like at Stanford and the NFL, he has not played a lot of games. He's got talent in there. And he's just extremely raw. And he played really well today. Now the Seahawks defense isn't anything spectacular. But hey, it, he played well. He did played well regardless. He's had a couple of really bad games this year, like notably against the Bills, where he threw four interceptions. But he's he can be fine. He could be fine. Now there might be a scenario where they trade up, or trade up, they're going to have a top three pick, but where they take a quarterback early, but that basically depends on if someone like Thibodeau is available for him. If he's not, then I would expect him to go after someone like Pickett or something like that. And then we got the later games going. We have the Chargers piss-pounding the Giants. I mean, pretty unsurprisingly, the Jar Giants scored 14 points in garbage time to make it somewhat close. But Herbert, only quarterback in NFL history to throw 30-plus passing touchdowns his first two seasons. Like, Justin Herbert is special. That's pretty much all I could say about that. And Justin Herbert, I remember going into the season, people were like, oh, he's so overrated. It's like, dude, do you not realize what he did last year with the worst offensive line graded in the NFL? Like, <laughs> Justin Herbert broke almost every significant rookie passing record, and then we're talking about how dude's overrated. Like, that was the dumbest take I heard all offseason. Like, what are you talking about? Like, Patrick Mahomes, you could have argued when he came in, he played one game his rookie year. Going into the next year, you could have talked about him being overrated, potentially. Now, obviously, he's not. He won an MVP and then later won a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP. Like, dude, when he's on it, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. You can say that pretty confidently when he's on it. Now, I think he's kind of annoying. I was talking to my friend Brady the other day because he's a he's a big-time Chiefs fan. Like, Patrick Mahomes is fun to watch. But he can also He's also very cocky, and not in the way that you're probably thinking of him being cocky, but in the fact that... He thinks that he can do every throw in the football field, and it gets to the point where he's doing a thousand no-look passes, and they're getting intercepted. And it's like, dude, stop doing this. You're not, don't do that. You're really good. Don't need to do that every single time. Like He did a no-look pass last year where it launched 30 yards out of the end zone. He did one this year, and he got picked off by the Chargers. Stop doing it. It was funny when it first happened against the Broncos. I think it was Broncos or Ravens. I can't remember. No, he did the left-handed pass against the Broncos. He did the no-look against the Ravens, I think. I know the left-hand pass against the Broncos. I think the Ravens was the no-look pass, though. Because it was against Tyreek Hill. He was rolling out to his left, threw it back to his right. Tyreek Hill got a massive gain. But Justin Herbert, like, that dude was not overrated. This dude is awesome. Like, he threw a ball today. I think it was to Jalen Guyton. And it was one of the prettiest balls you'll ever see. And that's rolling out to his right, getting hit putting it in stride and dropping it in between two defenders for a touchdown. 
This dude's special. The Chargers got themselves a quarterback. They got a dude. And Justin Herbert is that dude. Then we had the Broncos beating the Lions 38-10. And then we had the 49ers beating the Bengals in overtime 26-23. And the 49ers are now 7-6. Starting to heat up a little bit. Debo Samuel's back in the game. Didn't do a lot compared to what he usually does. He had eight carries in the game and had one catch. Like, he had one target too. He's recovering from a groin injury. So I was not expecting a massive game from Debo in this game. But he played well. He played well. Nice comeback game. Scored a touchdown in there as per usual. And is having one of the best seasons that no one... I mean, some people are talking about it. Debo's special. That dude is balling out this year. And he's one of the fantasy MVPs this year. Next to Jonathan Taylor. And speaking of Jonathan Taylor, I know you guys should... Well, you guys should know this. I don't know if you do or not. But I started the playoffs this week in fantasy. And Jonathan Taylor and the Colts have a bye. They had a bye this week. And <laughs> going into the playoffs with your number one player being out is kind of stressful. <laughs> and yeah, and then up until today or Saturday, I didn't know if Debo Samuel was playing. So my two best players out. That was the scare. And then Thursday, we had Najee Harris and Greg Joseph doing doing a madness. Najee Harris scoring 22 points, Greg Joseph scoring 12. It was looking pretty nice. Debo scored 11 today. Clyde Rizalair scored two touchdowns. We had Tyler Lockett scoring a touchdown in the game for 22 points. Herbert, three touchdowns in the game. And I scored 125 points without my best player. I was so nervous going into this week. And now I'm pretty, I mean, we won. So I'm pretty cool with it. <laughs> I mean, Jonathan Taylor, I want him back as soon as possible. And he will be this week. They're playing the Patriots on Saturday. So I'm hoping for a nice game from Jonathan Taylor on Saturday. I'm hoping for a nice one in the other league that I'm in. I was outside of the playoffs looking in. I needed a win today plus a couple plus at least one of the other teams above me to lose. We had three teams tied at 8 and 5. I just was at the bottom of the 8 and 5 pile because of the scoring that we did. And I won I'm winning right now. I guess the game's not technically over, but I have 132 points. And I got the Cardinals defense playing tomorrow. I might just bench them, but I can see how many points I can get. And I needed two of my friends to lose. I just needed one of them to lose, but both of them lost. So now I've got the three seed, and now it's a battle between those two to see who gets the four seed, because in this league, there's only four teams in the playoffs. The other one has eight, and I'm the one seed in the other league. I'm going to be the three seed now, and I'm going in on a hot streak. I've done really, really well since I started checking my lineup in this league, because this is my first year in the league, and it's their neighborhood league, and I kind of forgot about it, because the past few years, I've only been in one league. Like, since seventh grade or something, I've been in one league, and... This time I was, I've been in other leagues, random years, but this was not one that I checked that often. And once I started checking it, we started going on a win streak. We, ever since the start of the year, I have gone one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I've won eight of my last nine games since actually looking at my lineup. Cause there was one game earlier this year. I had James Conner on the bench. He scored 35 points. I had Mike Williams on the bench. Another one, he scored like 28 points. Games that I lost by single digits that would have easily been turned around had I not checked had I checked my lineup. So yeah, we're starting to heat up in that one, and we made the playoffs. And I wanted to destroy. I wanted to come into this league and destroy it because they said only one person has ever come in in the first year and won it, and that was the first year they started the league. So my plan was to come in right at the start and just dominate it. And my right after the jump, because you know how ESPN does their stupid. Uh, projections about where you think a team's going to finish. I was projected right off the bat as number one. 
Like my team's deep. I have been killing the waiver wire this year. I've picked up some gems on the waiver wire. Like, I'm pretty sure I picked up Mike Williams. I picked up Dawson Knox. I picked up Cordero Patterson. I picked up James Conner on the waiver wire. Jal- J- Dallas Goddard. Jalen Waddell I picked up on the... I know I might have drafted Jalen Waddell. Never mind. I don't... But I drafted Tom Brady and Josh Allen, the top two quarterbacks in fantasy football. And I start Josh... I've, I've only started Brady, I think, once. And that was because Josh was on a bye. Every week I've started Josh Allen, and he scored 35 points to Brady's 30. So I felt pretty vindicated by starting Josh this week. And yeah, we had a pretty nice day. Dalvin Cook scored 34 points, and Najee scored 22, like we said earlier. So that was a pretty good way to start off the week. And then it happened beautifully. So we're, unless something insane happens, because the person I'm playing in my other league that I've been in forever still has a player left. It's David Montgomery. And that Packers game is kind of going stupid. It's 27 to 35 right now with six minutes left in the third quarter. I don't know what the hell is going on with that game. I just watched the first portion of it, but I was like, I, I'm going to get too late. I got to start recording the show soon because I'm just going to get, I'm going to get way too late in the evening. And that game's just going stupid. 35-27. Who would have thought this would have been the outcome so far? Not me. I did not think this was going to be a thing. Like Aaron Rodgers, three touchdowns. I mean, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers against the Bears. It's like Tom Brady against the Bills. Or Ben Roethlisberger against the Browns. It, nothing really should surprise you with these types of games. They should be fairly easy results, and then <laughs> this is what you get. But the Bears are competitive because Justin Fields is starting this game. Recovered from his rib injury and has played pretty well. He threw a pretty bad pick six. Earlier in the game, didn't look off the defender one time. Just threw it right into the arms of, uh, who was it again? I don't remember who it was. Rasal Douglas. That's who it was, Rasal Douglas. And walked in the end zone pretty much. But the Bears, are, they're keeping in it. They were up 10 nothing, And then the Packers were like, hey, we're, gonna, we're Aaron Rodgers. We're the Packers. We own the base. Oldest rivalry in the NFL, NFL. And I hate that this game stopped getting flat or is not flexed out of this stupid time zone. It's Sunday night football. But hey, I'm not watching it right now. I watched a little bit of it. And I'm actually kind of surprised how competitive it is. Thanks to Justin Fields playing in the game now. I guess he played in the first one. The Packers won fairly handily. But yeah, I'm glad Justin Fields is playing in this game. And then now, outside of the NFL. So we got Cardinals and Ravens tomorrow night, Monday Night Football. The the Heisman ceremony was on Saturday. There was a few things that happened on Saturday. We had Army-Navy going on, which is always my favorite game of the year to watch. Navy won which is pretty awesome. They stopped Army on 4th and 1, or like 4th and 3, and they stopped them a yard short of the first down marker, won the game. 4-8 and eight Navy versus 8-4 and four Army, or 8-3 and three Army versus 3-8 and eight Navy. Now it's 8-4 and four Army versus 4-8 and eight Navy. Great game. Always an enjoyable game to watch. And then at night, we had the Heisman ceremony. And unsurprisingly, Bryce Young won the Heisman, but I'm kind of surprised to a certain extent how the order finished up, not really, because we kind of said this was how we're going to go. Young, Hutchinson, Pickett, Stroud. I'm surprised. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised because Pickett's numbers are way, are not way better, but better than Stroud's. But I thought him being an a- ACC versus Stroud being a Big Ten, I thought that would sway the voters. It didn't. I'm glad Kenny Pickett finished third because he's very deserving of it. Hutchinson finishes second. I think the person that could be most hard hard done by by not even going to New York is Will Anderson from Alabama. Will Anderson has been dominant this season for Alabama. He's one of the best edge rushers. Leads the nation in sacks. Has better numbers than Aiden Hutchinson, but didn't even get a chance to go. He came fifth. Had the third most first place votes. 31. And didn't even get a chance to go to New York for the Heisman ceremony. 
He had 31 first place votes and didn't even get a go. And then the rest of it finished out Kenneth Walker in sixth, Matt Corral seventh, Desmond Ritter eighth, Jordan Davis ninth, and then Brees Hall. Back to back years, Brees Hall is finished in the top 10 in Heisman voting. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's the only one on this list that finished in the top 10 last year. I think he finished sixth, sixth or seventh last year. Brees Hall's a baller. We know this at this point. But see, Bryce Young won it. Pretty unsurprising. If it wasn't for the ACC championship game, I don't know if he would have won it. But since he did ball out in the SEC championship game, post all new career highs and numbers for the SEC championship game, then he wouldn't have won it. But the thing that, and this isn't just Bryce Young. This is a, a multitude of players in college football. And it's the whole, I've been doubted my whole life thing. It's like, okay, hold up. You're 6'5", 260 pounds, chiseled, 1% body fat, fast, run a 4-3-40. Who the hell doubted you, ever? I would love to meet that person and go, yeah, you were doubted. You were stupid. There's not one person. I'm all, I can understand, like, self-motivation. Don't say you've always been doubted. Like, Bryce Young dropped that line at the Heisman ceremony. It always kind of irks me a little bit. Like, I've always been ruled out and kind of doubted. For me, it's always about not really proving them wrong, but about proving myself what I could call. What people are you proving wrong, Bryce? Like, I've raised you before you even took a snap at Alabama. We, before you even snook a snap, we said you would be the most talented quarterback Nick Saban had ever worked with. You were the number one quarterback in high school. You were compared to Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson on steroids. And you were doubted? You went to Matter Day, the most well-known high school in America for football. Uh, what? Los Angeles. Who doubted you? I would love to actually meet this. Again, I'm all for self-motivation. But don't drop... It's always about not really proving them wrong. Who's them? Who doubted you? Because I've seen in the comments people talking about the, the height thing. Like, Kyler Murray won the Heisman at 5'8". <laughs> He's not 5'8", but... Like, you don't need to be tall to win the Heisman Trophy. Baker Mayfield's not tall. He's six foot barely. He's as big as me. He looks like a normal person. Like, if you walked past Baker Mayfield and you did not know who he was, you would think he's just an average Joe walking up and down the street. No, nothing that Baker Mayfield looks like on the outside goes, yeah, that's an NFL starting quarterback. He was the number one overall pick. Yeah, he was a Heisman Trophy winner. He finished second in the Heisman three years, a top finish in the top four three years in a row. No, you wouldn't think that. <laughs> like, who doubted you? Really? No one. You went to Matter Day, you were a five-star recruit, you went to Alabama, you compared to Ty Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, you were the second in the preseason Heisman rankings for me, and you were the most talented quarterback Nick Saban's ever worked with and just became the fourth Alabama Crimson Tide member to ever win the Heisman Trophy and the first quarterback to do so. Really? Who doubted you? I would love to meet these people. And people on Twitter making up these fake scenarios about what he's talking about. No, he did not get, he did not get doubted, ever. Ever, ever, ever. You went to Matter Day. You did not get doubted. I would w be willing to bet you did not get doubted. Ever. Again, we literally sat on this show last year in June and said this kid could be the best quarterback in Alabama history. You were never doubted. I refuse to believe that. I'm sorry. I don't usually like talking about this stuff, but it, it has to. It was, it's been all over my Twitter today. Like, dude... You didn't need to say it because no one's doubted you. 
It's nice to, like, say it. It builds a story. Like, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was doubted. Joe Burrow was in Athens High School in Ohio. Lost his starting job at Ohio State because he broke his wrist. Transferred to LSU, which was not seen as a very good mood. You're going to play under Coach Ogeron, who got fired from USC at Ole Miss, and you're going to go play for him. The quarterback factory known as LSU, with the one notable quarterback they've ever had is Jamarcus Russell, who is one of the biggest busts in NFL history. The only only one you could really think of is Matt Flynn. That's not seen as a great move. And then the year before he won the Heisman, he knew nothing special. Joe Burrow was doubted. Bryce Young was not. I'm not sitting here and saying that Bryce Young had it easy. Because I don't know his whole backstory or anything. I can guarantee you one thing. This dude was never doubted. By anybody. If they were, they're stupid. I, Burrow was doubted. I remember sitting there when he transferred to LSU. Like Nebraska literally said, who's he going to start over? He going to start over Adrian Martinez? Really? That guy? From Athens, Ohio. This isn't Los Angeles. He didn't play for Matter Day. Played for little Athens High School in Ohio. That's doubted. Uh, not that. <laughs> I'm not I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Because you always see that in college football or in the NFL. I was always doubted. I had to prove these doubters wrong. Who doubts? <laughs> I keep repeating myself because it's just so confusing. Every time I see this, you're doubted. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. You never once were doubted. And if you were... You shouldn't have listed them in the first place because they didn't know what they were talking about. Like, anybody who's ever told... There's some odd scenarios. Like, Tom Brady was doubted. That's a scenario where you were doubted. Not coming from Matter Day. Not being a five-star recruit out of high school. Not being the preseason's number two Heisman favorite. Not being possibly the greatest Alabama quarterback of all time. At least being Nick Saban's most talented quarterback. No, I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. <laughs> I refuse to buy it. But like Will Anderson, dude finished fifth in the Heisman Trophy ceremony. He didn't even get a chance to go to New York, and he finished third in first place votes. He got 31. Yeah, he could be a little upset after that. <laughs> oh, man. I just thought that was funny. I, I, I had to share that. And then we had last Thursday, the reason we did not do a show, Iowa State basketball. I was at the game. In hindsight, Wish it didn't go because <laughs> they lost by 20 points. It never looked like actually being a game apart from when they were up like 15 to 11. Uh, yuck. <laughs> Iowa State's now 10 and 0. They won today against, I think, Jackson State. After winning two games last year, they're one of like four teams in America that are undefeated in college basketball. Four. Two win Iowa State from last year with a new head coach is the number one, one of the top teams in college basketball. And they crapped on Iowa. Now, that game was a lot of fun to go to outside of the result because Iowa State fans, I've said this before, and I this is not an insult at all. This is a positive thing. Iowa State fans are the most petty fans in college sports. That is a positive statement because you look at some of the things, they hold on to things. If you said something slightly negative, they remembered it forever. They flopped when Marcus Smart got introduced the whole Hilton Coliseum, all of them flopped back when Marcus Smart got introduced when he was at Oklahoma State. Jordan Bohannon, now to every single person that lives in the state of Iowa, is a very cringy person. Very cringy. Like, I didn't, so obviously I didn't see the, the broadcast, but one of my friends said that the broadcast said Jordan Bohannon's one of the people that you, you hate if he's not on your team, love if he's on your team. I don't agree with that statement. I, I don't really agree with that statement. I, honestly, when I saw him get punched up in Iowa City, I was actually pretty happy about that. Dude needs to get, he talks all the time. 
and he's in like his 18th year at Iowa. And the thing that's weird, Iowa fans have no issue bashing and making fun of Adrian Martinez for playing forever at Nebraska, but Jordan Bohannon gets a pass. And Jordan Bohannon's a lot more annoying than Adrian Martinez is. And if we're talking about what they do for their sports, Adrian Martinez, I would say, is a better quarterback than Jordan Bohannon is a point guard or a shooting guard, whatever position you want to call him at. And the only reason he holds like almost every single Big Ten record is because he's played for so long. He started since he was a freshman. He's played for six or seven years. He's been in three presidential terms. Like, dude, start a family. Stop going to college bars. You're 27 years old. I don't know how old he is. But do something else. There's comes this, I know letting go of a sport can be hard. But it's, you're not going to the NBA. Go and start your life, please. And hopefully you don't – like, Iowa State fans were just chanting one more year at Jordan Bohannon. I think there was – 12 or 13 F. Bohannon chants. And very clear. And it was very funny. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But, like, if it's your player, you can't be going, oh, you're not going to make fun of him. And you make fun of the exact same thing that's going on in Nebraska because we don't like Nebraska. But you can't make fun of Jordan Bohannon for being here forever. He's been here longer at Iowa longer than Adrian Martinez has been in Nebraska. He's just been here forever. I saw a thing with Perry Ellis's head attached to Jordan Bohannon's body. Like, Perry Ellis was at Kansas forever. Like, it, <laughs> I easily can make fun of Jordan Bohannon. I, he takes it well, from what I can tell, but he's really annoying. Like, George Niang and him and go back on Twitter. He ain't nowhere near George Niang. Like, it, it's, if we're talking about faces of franchises or faces of college basketball for their team during this span, George Niang is way better than <laughs> Jordan Bohannon. Way better. It's not even a conversation. If you talk to an Iowa fan that says Jordan Mohannon is a better player than George Niang, you need to slap them. Like the same people that say Derek Carr is better than Josh Allen. Like you need to slap them because something's wrong with their head. Maybe draw their brain back in place. Oh, man. But yeah, in hindsight, I wish it didn't go because <laughs> Iowa got throttled. When Keegan Murray scores nine points and didn't score any points at halftime, there's a problem. There's a very large problem at hand there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think... That's all we're going to talk about. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, Quinn Ewers, the highly touted quarterback out of Ohio State in Texas, is going to Texas. Yeah. Which shouldn't be too surprising. I mean, we talked about it last Monday or Wednesday, where it was like, they have two good quarterbacks. Is he better than those two? Maybe. Time will tell. Two young quarterbacks. But he's a Texas kid. He's the most highly recruited, highly rated high school quarterback ever. He's probably going to get some game time there. And CJ Stroud's a lot better than the two quarterbacks Texas has. So I can understand why he go there to a certain extent. I wish he wouldn't have gone to Ole Miss. That's where my dream move would be, but he's not from Mississippi. But I would rather see him play for Lane Kiffin than Steve Sarkeesian at that Texas team. Ole Miss is fun. Lane Kiffin is fun. Texas stinks. I don't know. He must have grown up a Texas fan. Because I would, if I was him and seeing what I can do, on a football field, and what coach could best coach me, I would choose Lane Kiffin. A hundred times out of a hundred. Easily. Like, it wouldn't even be a real conversation about it. But, yeah, I think that's all we've got on for her. I think that's all. Is that it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. I, I mean, we didn't do a show on Friday, and I apologize for that, but we've got some cool stuff coming up in the near future. Like, We've got Mock Draft coming up on Friday, so make sure you stay tuned for that. We're trying to get it out before the bowl game start, which is on Friday, 
We got games Middle Tennessee State against Toledo and Northern Illinois against Coastal Carolina. Those are your games on December 17th. Uh, Toledo is a 10-point favorite over Middle Tennessee State. And CCU is also a 10-point favorite over the MAC champions, Northern Illinois. The Middle Tennessee State game versus Toledo is on at 11 on ESPN. And the Northern Illinois versus Coastal Carolina game is on at 5 on ESPN2. And also on Friday, we might do this on the mock draft on Wednesday. It depends on how when we get it done. But we'll go over bowl games as well because that's the whole bowl slate. We've got games from the 17th of December to the 4th of January, or the 10th of January. I guess that's the college football playoff final, which is always on a Monday. I never understood why that game's always on a Monday. It's kind of annoying, and I don't really like it. <laughs> But yeah, that's all we've got for you today on this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. So it was a depressing start to the show, but I think it got better as the show went on. I hope you enjoyed it. If not, I can only apologize. And yeah, we'll hopefully have a better show for you on next show. Whenever, whenever you don't, whenever, whenever I see you next. I don't know. Uh, I've seen more pictures of these stupid holding calls that didn't get called. These pass interference things for the Bills-Bucks game. Whatever. We'll move on. And hopefully you will too. So make sure, again, you go and follow me on all forms of social media like we said at the beginning. Make sure you're subscribed to the Logan Blackman Show podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Give it a rating out of five stars on Apple Podcasts. And I will see you all later. Peace.